Guys, I'm f***ing hungry, and you know what? We're gonna start this the same way we did last time, and I'm gonna eat a yeah. protein bar. Our very first episode oh, ever. Yeah. Greg just started unwrapping a protein bar when we started recording, so this why make so it good. any different? Yeah, great, perfect. This is so good. <laughs> Chocolate peanut butter. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of Nobody's Network. (laughs) Part of being part of absolutely part of Sarah and Greg's network. That's what it is. I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what that means? We don't have a contract. That's what it means. Shout out, Lil Boozy. Oh, my ladies. Shout out. All of them. All the shout, indi- out shout out Beyonce. the truck company. Shout out, <laughs> shout out yes. Hove. All the independents. Shout, shout out, out 1776. Nuts. We all know how much I love that. Uh, yeah, so we've been gone for quite a while. End uh, of February, we had our last episode that aired, and so many things have happened between now and then in Jazzland, in our personal lives, in the podcasting world. The bottom line is there was a lot of stuff that was out of our control. And we are very sorry that we were gone. Now we are back and we are no longer affiliated with a podcasting network. We have gone out on our own and are independently bringing you the unsalvageable beauty to your ears. We've got a couple of introductions and thank yous to do now that we're back, the new and improved version of Unsalvageable. And first... And absolute foremost, we want to introduce our new producer, Matt Nanez. And thank you so much for doing this. He is producing extraordinaire, also has a day job like we all do. And he's going to help so much because up until this point, Greg and I were doing everything on our own. And so having another pair of hands in the building, so to speak, Matt, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, everyone. So I am a a loyal listener, so I'm part of the fam, so to speak. Uh, Yeah, I've been a a jazz fan since the Carl and and John days. Uh, You know, the the finals losses solidified my fandom for some reason, even though they should have ripped my heart out. So at least I know, know no greater pain. So I should fit right in. This is the cool thing. Like, jazz fans really learned how to cope at a young age. Yeah, perfect. And like we, I, I don't know, at least for me, like I learned a lot of my coping skills from being a jazz fan. Like I'm immersed in disappointment. I, I absolutely agree. Like, so my son, you know, he hates losing and he like, I'm like, you know what? Like, just watch the jazz with me more often. You'll be, you'll grow up to be a, a fine young man. So yeah, it's like, it's like the, the whole like Bane thing about like, like, you know, most people just adopted losing and disappointment. Like we were born in it. We were I was molded by it. <laughs> I was born you in didn't the win this class. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited to have Matt. We also need to give a very special shout out and thank you to Maddie Hogan for creating our new artwork. And now that we are no longer associated with the podcast network, which shall not be named. So we needed new art stuff because that belonged to them. And she stepped up and she made something beautiful for us, which is now the cover art for the podcast and our the unsalvageables twitter profile pic and it's great it looks beautiful it's not too deviated from the old one and we love it so much and we're so thankful thank you maddie we should very quickly before we uh get into anything too specific we should recognize it is june 7th the cool guy solstice as we have all know to come and love it and so shout out to prince Shout out to Jordan Clarkson. Shout out to Jarrell Brantley. Shout out to all the cool guys and all Alan of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. The June 7th cool guy sto- solstice knows no bounds and it will grab every cool guy that it can. I'm just, I'm so happy to be cool guy adjacent. Yeah, cool guy adjacent is where is our lane. <laughs> and to be coming back out with the podcast on June 7th is just a happy coincidence and serendipitous. It's an omen. It is an omen. It's beauty. It is a thing of beauty and an omen for what's to come. Omen sounds ominous. 
You can have a good omen. Yeah, you could have a good omen. You're right. All right. So, cool guy solstice. Very, that's the most important thing. We could end the podcast right here. <laughs> but thank you guys for joining. Like, <laughs> rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> See you in there's, the future. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, we could probably touch on the finals and stuff at the end if we want to go there. But there's a sure. lot going on in Jazz Nation that we need to address. And I think that right off the bat, we need to say, Quinn Snyder quit. More like quit Snyder. Oh man. <laughs> more, more like more like Finn Snyder. Okay. <laughs> you got any more of those or? No, no, that's okay. it. Too. All right, that's it. Yeah, Quinn Snyder stepped down as head coach of the Utah Jazz, and I guess from a for from a more like logistical perspective. And reporting-wise, I can say that I know that the Jazz offered him a deal, an extension, that would have made him one of the top four highest-paid coaches in the NBA. So if you want to Google and guess at a number, uh, the numbers are available. <laughs> and yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It would have... You know, I'm, I'm sure it's a good sign, though, that like the guy probably most instrumental in building this team, you know, just all of after a little bit of deliberation just looked at it and was like i'm good nah i mean i don't think that it was a little bit of deliberation if i'm being completely honest and quinn has not told me that this is the case but last season not the most recent but the previous season after the loss to the clippers following the you know number one record season that they had that shook Quinn. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was reported as much by uh, by Gordon Monson at right. the, the Trib and his his article. He talked about how that Quinn basically had a depressive episode after that that series, and he never seemed to like really emerge out of it. And like, obviously, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. I mean, if you watch Quinn, Quinn at the end of the playoffs looked like Matthew McConaughey at the end of Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Like he my man aged in dog years this season. And honestly, there were times I, I mean, you and I had conversations about this where I was like, I'm worried about the guy. Yeah. He, he like he always looks like he's he's like he's a very high strung person just naturally. Right. But you could see the cracks in the dam and it seemed like those cracks were starting to like widen into schisms. And by the end of it, it's like my guy needs to go kick his feet up on a beach and drink some Corona's for like the next few months. Yeah. And I think that Quinn, like you said, Quinn is a very high strung guy, but he also is like so dedicated and throws himself yeah. so hard into coaching that like he he does not sleep when yeah. he sleeps it's, that's, that's pretty apparent when it's when he sleeps it's not restful sleep i tried for about a year and a half to get him to tell me how many hours a night he would sleep during the regular season like every few weeks i would ask him be like hey are you, are you ready to talk about your sleep yet and he just like won't talk about it because he knows that it's not great. That it's that it's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, that on top of, like, health issues, he had to have a second hip replacement on top. That's, yeah, that's a lot. A tough, hard surgery to rehab from, and he's done it once before already. And you add that then to, like, the the pressures and the challenges – of the team. And I don't I don't think that he would run away from a challenge. I don't think that he would run away from pressure. I really do believe what he said in his like statement that he released that he just doesn't think he's the right voice anymore. And honestly, hats off to somebody for being that like having that kind of self-awareness. Especially when you could have just said yes and like raked in many millions of dollars. Yeah, when you're walking away from what was at least eight figures like that's that's generational type wealth right that's like your kids 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 are taken care of wealth exactly and yeah so i i'm with you i think 
I think the again the writing was on the wall, um, and it it just is highlighted by him walking away from from that kind of number and that like you know and like the position he was like again this was the guy probably most instrumental in building this roster and had as much influence on this team and on this organization as anyone and that has to be enticing for a lot of coaches right yeah and it's not it was not easy for him to walk away no because i mean today as soon as he started talking, his first person that he thanked was like Gail and the Miller family. And when he looked over at Gail, he straight up had to keep himself from crying. He got super choked up and couldn't even finish like his thought. He said, I want to thank Gail and the Miller family for giving me a chance. Super choked up and said, when there wasn't kind of trailed off and then said, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. And the, and the, you know the not said words there the uh, the unsaid words what wasn't the underlying said, message yeah well, the underlying message what wasn't said there was quentin snyder was a a risky hire yeah uh, unproven his, unproven his tenure at missouri did not end beautifully to say the least <laughs> to put things lightly <laughs> There were a lot of concerns and questions about Quinn Snyder, but whatever he gave to the Miller family in that interview process, um, I think probably is what he showed the jazz fan base over the last eight years, like his dedication and his commitment to, to trying new things and to like developing players. And I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter the last couple of days now, you know, saying like, oh, what's Quinn Snyder's legacy? Like, you know, never making it out of the second round of the playoffs. It's like, well, he also like built Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, you know, George Niang. Don't forget about the guys that aren't even on the Jazz anymore. That he, he got built up. so many people. Paid. Joe Ingles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, jo- Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson's a different player than he was before he joined the Jazz. Well. And just completely transforming the way the Jazz played basketball from like dumping the ball into the post and like having Al Jefferson shoot 35 baby hooks a night to to setting records for the most three pointers both shot and made in a season. Right. You know, like and and, and completely revolutionizing how the Jazz played offense, especially with like the flex motion and um yeah, and Add that to the the development of like getting Rudy Gobert. If you go back and watch Rudy Gobert in like the Ty Corbin era, he looked like a baby giraffe on skates. Yeah, he wasn't ready. No, he didn't. He did not look like an NBA player. Like you could see, like the body was there, and it was like the length, and I was like, oh, maybe there's something intriguing about that. But does this guy actually know how to put one foot in front of the other? Right. And now we're talking about him as like. What, just about a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, absolutely. You know? He's a three-time DPOY. Like, he's an absolute first ballot yeah, Hall Yeah, he's, he's an, yeah. And, like, that to me is his legacy. Is, like, it seems to me he he ushered in the jazz to the 21st century. I he think. Did. He modernized this organization and we can sit here and take shots about him and like whatever deficiencies you want, but I'm not here for that conversation right now. Like there's, if you put Quinn's positives and negatives on a seesaw, it's, it's so incredibly imbalanced with the positives. I think that when we're, when we're looking forward then and thinking, keeping all of that in mind, the fact that he says, I think that they need a new voice and he knows that it's time to move on. I think that he's right. Like, yeah, I totally agree. I I don't think that that takes away from anything that Quinn was able to do on the positive side. If we say, yes, it is, it is time for someone else. Yeah. Now, I mean, sometimes you just need, you need new blood. I mean, Dallas got rid of Rick Carlisle. He got them a ring. Right. You know, George Carl got the Nuggets to how many playoffs? Right. And they got rid of him. Like, like sometimes it's just time for a change. Right. And, like, I think we need to kind of rewind the tape back and, and, and really talk about what led yes. to this. 
and I, I can let you start. I have my takes, but I would love to hear yours because this this didn't just happen out of the blue. Right. I think if we just think about like the beginning of last season and mm-hmm. kind of what like thoughts, feelings and expectations were like, I think we were all sold a bad bill of goods on Rudy Gay. Uh-huh. Oh, totally. The, the fact that this team. We all fell and- for it, too. Oh, I told I was all in. I was like, "Oh, this is yeah. this is the type of guy the the Jazz need." Yeah. And like he's really good friends with Mike Conley and this is a guy right. who's made a hundred something million dollars in his career and has been a, a go-to guy and like look what he did in San Antonio and like he's he had the the transition from being a star to like an elder statesman role player and seemed to be aging really gracefully and it seemed like the perfect fit. Right. And then it wasn't. And in hindsight, the, the Jazz saw what happened, saw their collapse against the Clippers and decided that, like, we just have to put a little lipstick on this pig and right. that should be fine. It wasn't even the right lipstick. Yeah. And then it wasn't even the right. Sh- like, not only can you not put put lipstick on the pig, you also went ahead and put the wrong shade yeah. on that pig. You got a pig wearing blue lipstick now. It just doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah you got, a pig, uh, you got a pig wearing yellow and black lipstick <laughs> oh. oh we could talk about that in a different day but uh. yeah yeah so i think when we think back we brought in rudy gay and it was sold to us as like oh he can play the small ball five think about how that lineup you know killed the jazz with the clippers and and outside of Rudy Gay, I mean, the Hassan Whiteside thing, I don't really see that as a move that we really have to talk about. It worked fine. It was fine. It was fine. But, like, you know, bringing in someone to back up Rudy is not really, I think, that much of a concern when you think about the postseason because, like, you expect for Rudy to play almost all of the minutes. Right. But then also, that we, like, it was sort of sold to us, like, once it comes down to the postseason outside of Rudy, there would be like some small ball five minutes. Yeah. And then that just didn't happen. Rudy Gage, I don't think played a single minute in the playoffs. No, he did not. Yeah. So like unmitigated disaster, which has happened a lot throughout Quinn's Quinn's tenure. Like guys just not working out. Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green, Ed Davis. Uh, Like there's, there's a list there. And like, Maybe that is one of Quinn's flaws is that he runs a like not only does he run an incredibly tight ship, he also runs a very complicated system, you know, right. and it takes guys a long time to learn. And some guys just never get it. You know, it took Ricky Rubio over a season. Mike Conley's first year in Utah was rough. Granted, right. he made his first all star team in the next year. Uh, but again, like there is obviously a very tough learning curve there and some guys just don't get it. And so you, you know, you, you roll the dice there and sometimes you don't, you don't get the outcome you want. Yeah. And I think, you know, it also, there's definitely something to be said for the lack of leadership within the players that you have when right. you lose guys like Derek Favors and Joe Ingles. And I think that there definitely is something to that conversation. But on on the other side of that, if we're talking about like how the jazz fell apart over the last year, they waited too long with Joe. They should have traded like Joe to me was cooked, cooked in the bubble. Yeah, we knew we knew that Joe had multiple years of not playing up to the level that he would in the regular season in the playoffs. There were many years in the playoffs where he flamed out and it was really bad against the Clippers. And he was bad against Memphis in the series before that. Right. And so, you know, when you look back on it, his value was at its very highest when he was in the running for six men of the year with Jordan Clarkson. Mm -hmm. And like, if they had traded him by that trade deadline, then like we might be talking about a completely different team right now because that could have yielded a much greater trade package. And instead they waited, his stock went down as far as trade, as far as trade value is concerned. And then, and then he blew out his knee 10 days before the trade deadline. Yeah. It just, it was just a comedy of errors. Now the happy accident there of course is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Yes. Who, I'm just an unbelievable fan of. Yeah, he's awesome. His movie comes out on my birthday, and I know what I'm doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should go watch Hustle. I'm so excited. <laughs> Anthony go- Edwards has speaking parts. Jordan Clarkson's in the movie, you guys. Yes. Like, everyone should be watching this. All, all the cool kids are going to watch Hustle. Queen Latifah plays Adam Sandler's wife, and that makes me happy. Hell yes. I just like, in my mind, I like to think about, like, Queen Latifah bossing Adam Sandler around every day. And I appreciate that. Um, so that was the happy accident in that trade. But, again, if they had traded Joe at a different point, they could have yielded a much more valuable package. Apparently, you could have gotten Jonathan Kaminga and Moody. Right. So, there, you know, there's a lot of different deals that could have been on the table, were on the table, and then just were absolutely taken away when it turns out that the next time that Joe Ingles is going to be able to play is going to be like as a 35-year-old coming off of a torn ACL. Right. Yeah, and and nobody is better at 35 years old coming off a major injury than they were previously. Nobody. No. And, like, listen – can the aging dudes in the NBA get it done? Yes. Al Horford had an incredible game one against the Warriors. But the Celtics did not go into this season thinking Al Horford's going to be the one. Right. No, Al, Al Horford's going to be a piece. Right. And they, I want to, I kind of want to use this as like a, 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 a segue into. What I think is a huge problem with the Jazz, and that is just the – I think they blew it when it came to the roster construction. And I what I see this was like an overcompensation with like the Jay Crowder, Ricky Rubio teams who could not throw a rock in the ocean. The Jazz shipped them out, and they went all in on offense, and it netted some nice results, but in the end – if you watch teams like the Warriors or the Grizzlies or the you know the Bucks or the Celtics like what we're seeing in the NBA is a shift and if you want to have success you need a plethora of rangy wing type guys who can go who who can go both ways who can play both offense and defense and can switch simultaneously I mean the Bucks Bucks do it incredibly well the Celtics have had the best defense in the league since the trade deadline and the Jazz, the Jazz don't have that. They have a bunch of guys who can score you a bunch of points, but when you give up 120 points and score 116, you take a lot of L's. Yeah, and I think that you can go even farther than that and, like, being specific. Now, listen, as I'm about to say all of this, I'm we have to be honest about, like, the choices that they had as roster construction is concerned, yes. too. Because, you know, when you – have the choice to either have Mike Conley come back on a new deal or let him go, but not have the money to sign anyone else. Like you have right. to, you have to. Yeah, totally. I, I, I understand it. And like, I was a big fan of the Mike Conley trade when it happened and I thought it was great and it's, it netted some nice results, but at some time you got to realize the guy is turning 35 in a bit and like father time is undefeated. Right. And, but I think even more than father time, when we're talking about Mike Conley is that, the season before this most recent one, Mike was great, just absolutely great. And the Jazz were able to get a lot of really impressive stuff done with Mike Conley. But as they moved forward into this season, he's too small. Yeah, I think we have that backcourt is just too small. Yeah, I think between Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, as well as CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. We have enough of a sample size now in the modern NBA to say that the two small guard lineup doesn't work. I mean, maybe maybe it works if you have CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, and then three Giannis Antetokounmpo's or three Draymond Greens. But those guys don't exist. And what you need – like you win in the NBA by having two-way guys, length and athleticism. Right. And like the, the ranginess of like the pieces that you surround yes. them with is totally different. It, like you could look directly to the Dallas Mavericks lineup. Uh, sometimes they were using like that bench lineup with Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, right? Like that's a small backcourt. Uh huh. But, but then next to them, you've got uh, Dorian, Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah. Dorian Finney Smith, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber. Like everyone else is 
able to switch and able to move and has so much more length. Yes. Where like you're looking at the jazz and it's like if you've got Donovan and Mike, then you've got like Boyan and Royce, and like those are not as rangy and quick and fast and long as the guys that they were going to be going up against, especially yeah. if you were going to end up switching. And especially like if Boyan and Royce had to guard guys that were longer anyways. I also think it's, it's a mentality thing as well. I saw Donovan Mitchell multiple times in the playoffs, just straight up give up on defense. Right. And like, you got to be a dog. I know we talk about it, you know, like it's a cliche on Twitter to say, oh, he's got a, that dog in him. But like, there's something to that. And like, I think part of the reason why it worked for Dallas is because Jalen Brunson's a dog. He right. might be six foot one or 5'11 and 170 pounds soaking wet, but that guy's not backing down and he's not giving up. And like, he might not be an all NBA player, but you know that he's going to give his full effort. And I am a right. big believer that so much of defense is mentality. If you're a guy as athletic uh, and gifted as Donovan Mitchell is on the offensive side of the ball, when you can do the things that he can do, that should be able to translate to the defensive end if you want it to. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of will. Yeah, and I think that Donovan has done enough in the way of showing us glimpses of that. Yeah. That we know it's possible, and which is what makes it so frustrating. Is yeah. that, like we know he has it there. We know that that's a part of his game that can be tapped into, but getting it consistently tapped into is a completely different topic. Like it's that's a whole different page that he has to be on. Can I tell so, you like, my Donovan Mitchell theory? Yes, please. Have you ever seen Boogie Nights? I have amazing. Yeah, you you've seen you've seen a classic, seen, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's best. Um to me, I watched that movie recently. I mean like oh, like a month and a half ago. I actually I I said this exact thing on the on the Round Ball Rock podcast, which, you know, shout out our guys Sean and and Joey. But uh to me it seemed like Donovan Mitchell has become the NBA's Dirk Diggler. And he came in as this prodigious youngster with this incredible package of skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and got a lot of, of accolades and praise. You know, Jazz won a playoff series for the first time in God knows how long, his rookie season. You know, his package is so nice. Yes. Great package, <laughs> huge uh, array of skills. Um, <laughs> can really lay down when he needs to. Um, and then because of that, like he, he got the keys to the car. He got the keys to the keys to the kingdom um, and kind of developed. It seems like he's a guy who's been pretty coddled, you know, and like doesn't really have anybody to point the finger at him and tell him to, uh, to shape up. And I think this season it really got to him. And, you know, and when the Jazz kept blowing leads, he did the Dirk Diggler thing where he, he looks at Burt Reynolds and says, no, it's my big you Right. Know? I, you know, I want to right now. Let's shoot the scene. And he did the basketball version of that. Like, no, this is my basketball team. I'm the star. I'm going to take over. And we're going to do things my way. And the fact is, he's not a good enough player to do that. And not only that, but you don't. That, that's not how the Jazz play. The Jazz are at their best when they were moving the ball and, and doing the flex motion offense thing instead of just doing the ISO thing, and it was just an unmitigated disaster. And I think that when we think about kind of the the ups and downs of the season, you know, the rough January when so many guys were out with COVID and they come yeah. back, and then like, and then there was like one injury after another, and then the Joe thing, and then the trades, and then like trying to figure out like exactly what this team was going to be in the second half of the season. At that point is when I think it became clear that like Quinn wasn't going to be the guy. Yeah. Because you can be the guy to like have the voice and lead a group of people for a certain amount of time. But if those people and personalities change and they're just, it didn't seem like anyone was ever on the same page. No, it felt, it felt like maybe two players were on the same page at the same time. Like Donovan and Mike had it going for a while. Then Donovan and Rudy had it going for a while, but then it was just Rudy, but then it was just Donovan. Like it just seemed like 
no one was really on the same page. And that's not to say that like Quinn lost the locker room. I don't really think that's the case. I just, I don't think that the locker room was there to be gotten. Yeah. You know it didn't I mean? seem like there was any cohesion really to begin with. So right. You can't, lose, I don't, you can't lose something that was never there. I think that you could have put in any coach in that situation. And for that like latter half of last season, I think, I don't think anybody would have succeeded. I don't think any amount of Phil Jackson yoga right. and sage burning would have saved that locker room. Be it, be it just like, I mean, you, you wrote all about it. The, the, not only were the vab, the bad, uh, the vibes bad, but you just had fundamental basketball problems with the roster construction. Exactly. And when you put those two things together, you put bad juju with bad roster, you get bounced in the first round with a team missing its best player for multiple games. And so if we think about that, like where, where the jazz go from here, right? Because like, as it stands right now, I think the vibes are probably like at their worst point right now. Right. Mm -hmm. The playoffs were bad. They got knocked out in the first round. In embarrassing fashion. Right. Nothing was fixed that like needs to be fixed moving forward. And now as we look into the future, the jazz are so hamstrung by they have no their, assets. They have no picks. They have no assets. They have no picks. And they have all of their money tied up. They're a luxury tax team. Mm-hmm. And so the only way for this team to get better is through the trade market, really. And listen, I'm of the belief that the Jazz can't really get better if they trade one, two, three pieces. You, I mean, I, I, we, we talked about it like five minutes ago. You already know how I feel about putting lipstick on a pig. Right. I don't think like, even if we're talking about huge pieces, like even if we're talking about trading away Rudy, right? Yep. I don't, I don't think the jazz get better. It's going to be really, really hard. And not only that, but you have to completely change the identity of this team. If you do that, like you're already going to have to do that now that Quinn isn't the coach. And if my, in my opinion, you know, like Kyle, of Brigham Young Money, the other podcast I'm on, we talked about this where he was saying he called into Sam Cedar's show and he he used this metaphor about um, the Democratic Party, which I won't get into. But the metaphor was is that, you know, for years he was so frustrated at the Boston Red Sox for just being mediocre, like making the playoffs and then just like getting bounced in the first the first play or yeah, the, the first playoff round constantly, like right where the Jazz are, and not making the necessary uh changes to eventually get better. And I'm a big believer that you have to follow that same kind of idea where like the, the Red Sox finally did. They blew it all up. And they've won three, four World Series since. And I think sometimes you got to destroy before you rebuild. And there is a path forward. Like you would get an absolute king's ransom for both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Right. You know, and like you've got Danny Ainge, his team that he built is in the finals right now. Like this is, this is what you brought the guy in for. Right. So I say, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I am all in on a full nuclear bomb blow up and rebuild and you, you, you send both your stars packing and you get multiple draft picks and a bunch of ancillary players. And you know what? You might be a bottom dweller for a couple of years, but that only ups your draft stock. And then you've got you've got role players who can fit in nicely. You get them on some modest contracts and you find your next star in the draft when you have your plethora of draft picks. Go find the next Jason yeah. Tatum. Go find the next Jalen Brown. It would be great if the Jazz would do that, but I think that you're right in saying that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, and I, you, you feel free to push back on me, but I have, a, I have a belief, and I tweeted it out earlier today. I don't think it's going to happen because I think Ryan Smith is a fanboy, and I think you can't be... You can't run a team, you can't run an organization, you can't run a business when you're simping your own guys. When you hear Ryan Smith come on the radio and talk about how Donovan, he considers Donovan Mitchell a stakeholder, and he's going to have a big say in who the coach is, and he's going to have a big say in designing the uniforms. 
which I understand like you got to please your guy, but at some point there's got to be some sort of delineation there. There's got to be some sort of line and it's not your job to be buddy buddy for the guys who play on your team. And you got to be yeah. like you got to be ruthless. You got to do the Jerry Bus thing. You got to do the Red Auerbach thing. And like that means sometimes you're going to have to like step on some toes and you're going to have to make some guys upset. And what I don't understand is what has Donovan Mitchell done? To deserve this kind of power, to deserve this kind of say. We're talking about a guy who has never made an all-NBA team. He's made a couple of all-star teams. We're also talking about a guy who's never been out of the second round. And a guy who got out, he's been outplayed by Jamal Murray and Jalen Brunson in playoff series. Two guys who have never made all-star teams. I mean, the thing is, is that like you're looking at this as a fan who's been invested in this team and that is just not how this is going to be looked at because what, what has Donovan Mitchell done? He has put butts in seats and I, he has increased Jersey sales. Yeah. Do you want to win or do you want to make money? Well, that's the, I mean, the choice between those two is like, and every team will tell you like, we want to win and we want to make money. And like, to your face, to the fans' faces, to media faces, like any ownership group is going to tell you that, like, winning is the priority. But, like, do you really think that Ryan Smith wants to blow this team up before the All-Star game is in Salt no, Lake City? No, and I think that's a huge – I think that's a huge factor, and I also it's think huge. it's absolute loser shit. I don't, it, and it, I don't care yeah. if Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell represent Salt Lake City or the Jazz. I care about wanting to see this team in the NBA Finals, and we like we have enough evidence. It doesn't work. Right. And like, sorry, but what are you, what are you getting back for Boyan Bogdanovich and and like a washed Mike Conley? Like, what do you is is that going to all of a sudden like get you the the type of players you need to get over the mountaintop? Are you all of a sudden going to be better than the Warriors? Are you all of a sudden going to be better than the Suns or the Mavericks or the Grizzlies or the Clippers? Right. Is that it, the problem that I see with all of that too? Is like, let's say that you trade away Boyan Bogdanovich. Is like the length that you're going to get at that position going to make up for the fact that like he's the only forward on the team that you can like play through the post in yeah. and he's also a guy that can get you 40. Yeah. Like, are you, yeah, exactly. Are you getting, are, a you, are, you, are you, are you upgrading or is it just a move to make a move? And like with, I think with Mike, it's easier to argue that you could upgrade. Sure. Right? I, and I think like, you know, I think there are lots of teams out there who can be like, we can save him. And I and I do agree. I think that there is still some gas in the Conley tank. I don't think I think it's an awkward fit for the Jazz and like the too small guard thing doesn't work, but there are plenty of teams out there, the Washington Wizards, the New York Knicks and the, who who need a veteran point guard and I think he's there's still a place for him in the league and you can get something back for him, but like again, you got to make sure that you're not just making a move to make a move. You got to you got to improve. And I think, you know, at a later date, we'll run through like trades that might work where obviously when they happen, we'll run through yeah. the trades that happen and the pros and the cons and how that like changes the jazz or does not. But like right now, I think it's in, I think that it is important to like to look at this situation that the jazz are in, not as how we would want it, but like. What is the situation? Like, what actually is the situation? Yeah. And the situation is that the Jazz are not going to completely blow it up because there's too much money on the line right now. Yep. And and so the possibility of them upgrading is going to be so dependent on what kind of trades they're able to get done, and like. You know, we we were talking for months about like, you know, when is Danny Ainge going to make a move? And like, I don't think that we can really credit last year's trade deadline of Danny Ainge. That was a shitty situation that the Jazz ended up with Joe Ingles being injured. Yep. But as now we now we're at a point where like, oh, it's it's go time. It's put up or shut up. Right. They need a new coach and they got to make some moves. Yeah. And even if the moves 
don't yield results now, maybe they're the first dominoes to fall in what could come in the next two or three seasons, yeah. right? But like either way, they can't just stand pat. No, this off season. You stand like you you want to make money. You can't stand pat. We've seen no. this before. And, nobody and wants. To, nobody that, needs a sequel to what we just saw. And I know that people hate the idea of like, and like you said, like it's sort of a loser's mentality to be like, well, you know, do we want to win or make money? Well, we got the all-star game coming, so we need to make some money. Like whatever mentality you want to call it, like it is an absolute driving factor in the decisions that are going to be made. Yeah. It it is a hundred percent a part of it. You know, we've heard reports that Ryan Smith views Donovan Mitchell as the mayor of Salt Lake city for the all-star game. Like expect that to happen. Expect it. Yeah. I'm I'm certainly not envious of of Danny Ainge or Justin Zanuck over the the next upcoming months. Upcoming weeks, the draft's coming really soon. Do you want to go and try right. to move one of your guys and move up in the draft and and get it, dude? I I don't I don't know. There are a million options and I am going crazy um with the amount of like auto-populated articles I get on Google these days for like this is the trade that will save the jazz and I can't do it anymore. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to try to like Zen out for the next little while, because this is all beyond my control and I can't do anything about it. So I'm accepting my fate. I think that like moving for, I think just as a sort of a, like a little bit of a teaser for our, our next episode, I think we'll go into a little bit more depth on some of the coaching candidates. Uh, very quickly. I will say like Johnny Bryant and Alex Jensen are going to be considered. Those are guys that are familiar. Those are guys that have relationships. Those are guys that matter to people who are already in place. That being said, that's not a guarantee. <laughs> Uh, Terry Stotts is also rumored to be considered. He spent some time with the jazz last season, just kind of looking around taking a tour. Basically that's also not guaranteed. Some of the outside names that have been mentioned, including, um, you know, assistance from other teams. Uh, one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me a little bit that was mentioned is, uh, Kevin Young, who is lead assistant for the Phoenix Suns, he was an assistant under Brett Brown with the 76ers. And so I know Kevin and I know what players think about him and how he interacts and kind of the respect level that he has gained. And I mean, Monty Williams pretty much poached him as quick as he possibly could Mm -hmm. when he got a head coaching job. He, Kevin is very well respected and also has ties to Utah. And so there's, there's a lot of names that we could go over. Um, I think that the one thing that we do need to focus on today though, is that Donovan Mitchell is going to have a large say in that. And uh, the, the story that was leaked to Woj, which the way that these things work are, they are very purposely done. Uh, And the story said that Donovan Mitchell was disappointed and unsettled when he found out that Quinn Snyder was not going to stay with the jazz that can be taken in any number one of any number of directions, you know, disappointed because he thought that Quinn was going to be there because he respected Quinn so much because he was probably one of the only players that really gave him an endorsement Mm -hmm. after the jazz left the playoffs. Also disappointment could be that maybe Quinn didn't really seek out donovan's input yeah right but i mean i think that quinn made it clear that like this was quinn's decision Mm -hmm. like it was for him it wasn't about money it wasn't about challenges it wasn't about the team it was quinn wanting to leave and so when i when i read that donovan's camp has said that he's unsettled and disappointed what that means is that somehow he needs to be made to feel not unsettled and not disappointed which means he wants to pick the coach, right? right? Yep. And the star player of any team having a huge amount of input on who the coach is going to be is absolutely not new or unique no. to the Jazz. That, I mean, just very recent ones that don't include LeBron James, right? 
Chauncey Billups is in Portland because of Damian Lillard. Yep. Jason Kidd is in Dallas because Luka of Luka Doncic. Doncic. Like they, this happens all the time with star players. And so, and I think that there is, there's good and bad in that, right? Like maybe it gives a player too much power, but also like you want those players to be particularly happy. And so if you're able to get a good, solid coach who also makes that player happy, then there's nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah. But you no got to, yeah, but there, therein lies the challenge. You got to keep, you got to, you got to get a guy who can come in and change the culture and start winning and improve and make your main guy or main guys happy. And that's right. That's a real tall order. And how many times? It's a very And how many tall times order. have we seen good coaches go somewhere and fail? All, All the, the time. time. So again, do not envy the Jazz front office this off season whatsoever. But I'm certainly rooting for them and their success. And then you know the Jazz. Today at their press conference, Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge both said that the search for the coach is going to be exhaustive. There's no pressure to do it before the draft or before, you know, the offseason really gets underway in earnest. And I think that's the mm -hmm. right approach. Like, to be as exhaustive as possible is the right approach, especially if, if you're going to be making moves that's going to change the balance of this team. Absolutely. You don't want to bring in a guy thinking uh, – uh, you don't want to bring in a person and say, this is the team you're going to coach. Now we're going to go and trade a bunch of players. <laughs> like you, you want to make sure that whoever you're bringing in, they know that, like things are in flux. We're going to be making decisions. Is the coach that you're bringing in going to want to have kind of a seat at the table? How much input are they going to want to have in mm -hmm. roster decisions? And so like all of that has to be discussed and thought out in the meantime, though, the Jazz do have their brain trust that is completely capable right. of making decisions. If if anyone out there in Jazz fandom thinks that the Jazz need to make this hire before the draft, before free agency gets underway, then like why there are, there are so many more problems <laughs> in that case. Then like if you don't think. Like, what was the point of bringing Danny Ainge in? What's right. the point in keeping Justin Zanuck and all of his contacts? Like, you have got people who are completely capable of making these decisions. And if they're not, then we need to tear this team down from the top yeah. bottom. Like, if that's all the, the way case, down. just move the team to Seattle. We're all screwed. Man. Yeah, exactly. So, and with that being said, like, you know, moving forward, we do have the draft coming up June 23rd. Jazz don't have any picks. They could they could absolutely deal their way into that. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I really don't. Yeah, I, it's it's that's and that's the thing. Like the Jazz do a pretty good job of keeping things close to the vest. Um, and I think your guess is as good as mine as far as what ends up happening. Um, I would. Right. I, I I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, but. Um, I think moves are obviously going to be made this off season. I think trades are going to happen. It's just, I don't know what those trades look like. And again, I'm, I'm, I can't read another trade rumor article without my head exploding. So I'm not going right. to do that. Yeah. Um, you're right. Absolutely. There are going to be moves that have, that are going to be made. I, I would be shocked if Rudy Gobert is on this roster, at least by the trade deadline. Yeah, um, I would. I would actually be pretty surprised if he's on this roster to start the season. I would be as well. But if he's on the roster to start the season, and then they don't trade him this upcoming season, that would absolutely shock yeah. me. Yeah, and I hope wherever he goes, he can. You know. Develop some sort, of, some sort of skill set where he doesn't have to get guarded by Jalen Brunson in the playoffs. He can spread his seven foot nine wings and and, and finish fly. over a point guard. <laughs> I I hope it. I mean, uh, again, I don't have any. I don't have any hard feelings, and I I'm I'm happy for Quinn. I hope he gets the rest and the reset that he needs. Thank you so much for everything he's done 
for the franchise and moving it forward and kind of ushering it into this new era of basketball. Like he's, he's left a pretty indelible legacy. Um, and I think if, if in a couple of weeks or months, we're talking about Rudy Gobert moving on, uh, I share the same sentiments. Yeah. And I just on a personal note for Quinn Snyder, like I've covered a lot of NBA coaches and I mean, probably right at the level of Steve Uh Kerr, I would say, like, the amount of care Uh that he had every single – like, he cared so much about every tiny thing. And, like, he loved when things were going bad to be able to be there with the guys. Like, he he enjoyed the ups and the downs – and he cared so much about every move. And it was an absolute privilege to cover him and to hear him talk about basketball and to have conversations with him off mic about basketball and about anything else. Like he was, uh, he has been an absolute joy and a privilege to cover. And um, there's, there's not a lot of coaches that I think would, would make you know, local beat reporters feel like they were so much a part of what was happening. And so I appreciate him forever for the way that he included us. And, you know, the last thing that we have on our, on our outline is, you know, what do we want to see happen? And again, I'll just reiterate what I would want to see happen is an absolute blow up. Yeah. And, right? I, and I I'm right there the with you. Torn down. Drop an right. H bomb on want this to team. Sell yeah. every, have a fire sale. Right. So more realistically, because I don't think either of us are going right. to get what we want, right? I think more realistically, what would we like to see happen in the realm of possibility, mm-hmm. right? And so I would like to see the Jazz make trades that don't come to us as false yes. advertisement. I would like for the Jazz to – and if those trades can't be made, I don't want them to just be make trades right i want them to actually make moves that feel like they're going somewhere and that could that could mean so many different things whether it's a player that like seems like an upgrade or that seems like they have a future but it could also mean just trades for players that don't really move the needle but also have like expiring contracts Mm -hmm. right like if we're actually going to plan for the future, it could go in a lot of different directions. And I just want to see a plan. Yeah. Uh, and building off of what you're saying, I want to see some, some acquisitions, some trades for players with some nasty. I got so yeah. tired of watching the jazz get punched in the face constantly. And then just withering. Right, and the answer can't be Hassan White said it can't be like no, your no, backup no, no. center. We need the Jazz need major, major like starter level guys. I want get me a Marcus Smart type guy, a Marcus Morris. Give me a nasty dog type guy, and you know, again, if the Jazz are going to keep Donovan, which writing's on the wall there, um, you got to move in the point guard. You, Absolutely, that, and I don't. You got it, and then you got to go out and you got to get a dog as your shooting guard. Yeah. You got to go and get a Drew Holiday, a Marcus Smart. Like right. I know those guys are under contract; those are not guys that that we're getting. But we need someone right. in that mold. I really do think that Mike Conley is probably going to be the first ball I do. drop. Yeah, well, and we're already hearing because rumblings I, all over that like there are again lots of teams who need a veteran point guard who would be willing to give up some nice players to acquire a guy with uh mike conley's resume right yeah but yeah i want to see i want to see thought out moves that are going to improve this roster and i want some nasty and i want donovan stop stop pretending donovan's not your point guard he's been your point guard for two years come on stop it right Move, make the move, yep. and then go out and get go out and get the length. Go out and get OG Ananobi, you know something yeah, like you've that. You gotta have you have to have you have to have more legitimate players on the wing because, like, as the Jazz have been going through the last few seasons, they've been kind of you know 
toying with the, you know, well, Donovan and Mike are both our point guards. No, sort that of thing. doesn't no, work anymore. Donovan's got to be the point guard, and you've got to have legitimate wing players. Yeah. I mean, the best thing, the best example is, is you know, the Celtics when they were both toying around with, with Marcus Smart and Schroeder and then realized, like, no, Marcus Smart's our guy, and we're going to go out, right. we're going to move Schroeder, and we're going to move Josh Richardson, and Smart's our point guard, and we go out and get Derek White. And, like, comes right. in and, like, <laughs> elevates that team to a whole other level. And, like, that's exactly – you got to be definitive. It's like, the, it's like the same thing you see with football teams when they're like, we're going to run a double quarterback system. doesn't work. No, you're, no, you're not. No, you're not. It, it never works. <laughs> no, you're not. Like yeah. if you're gonna give if you're gonna God. give Donovan the keys to the car, then you gotta f- do it. Derek White was such a good. He's so good. <laughs> the Celtics really might mess around Definitely. and win the whole thing. My prediction is uh, Celtics in seven. You got one? I think I'm there with you. It's. I love this Celtics team. I love. The, I would love this Celtics team if it was in any other city than Boston. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. There's, it has nothing think, to do with the roster, you know. And I also think another right. thing is that like can't be understated. The two biggest winners of the trade deadline this year were the Celtics and the Mavericks, and uh, oh, so much absolutely. of it was just addition by subtraction of like getting rid of Schroeder and Ennis and Ennis Freedom and Porzingis. Do something like that if you're the yeah. Jazz as well. This Jazz team needs a total vibe shift. When we were watching the Celtics, or for anybody that was watching the Celtics through October, November, uh-huh. December, it did not feel good. Terrible. It felt like a bad vibes team. But then there was such a buy-in and shift, and certainly the trade deadline had a little bit to do with that, but it started before the trade deadline because like post-Christmas, like they had the best defensive team in the NBA all season. That was not because they were good early in the season. It was because they because were they, great yeah, because they at became the elite the after Christmas. Right. And so when I'm thinking about the Jazz, I'm thinking I just want everyone to be as committed as those Celtics players were to really making a difference. And like you said, it's so much about attitude and mentality. And you know, we've heard We've heard jazz players say it all season long for multiple seasons that they want to do better. They need to do better. And like that they're, that they're committed and we've heard uh-huh. all of the right things. But um, at this point, I like, it felt like lip service because the, the attitudes and the vibes did not match the words yeah. that we were it's hearing. Why, it's why uh, on the other side of things is why I give Steve Kerr so much credit too. Cause like, sure. He's got, he's got his guys. He's got Draymond. He's got clay. He's got Steph, he's got his cornerstones, but they totally retooled, you know, and they went out and they got Andrew Wiggins, who was a huge question mark and Otto Porter and, you know, brought up their young guys in Poole and Kaminga and and Moody. But the thing is, he got all those ancillary pieces to be able to buy in. And that's such a huge skill. And that's what the Jazz are lacking, like. I don't, you know, if they keep their guys, let's say they do hypothetically keep both Rudy and Donovan, like, I, I think we'll get by in there. But you got to get everybody there and you got to get everyone on the same page. Exactly. And it's, it's, a t- it's a tall order. It's big shoes to fill. It's an even taller task because, like, whoever fills those shoes has to mm-hmm. go above and beyond what was already here with Quinn Snyder. And so it's it's a there's a lot that needs to happen over the next few months to sort of you know, instill positivity and any kind of hope in the fan base. And so that's what we're on the precipice of is like now, now what it's yeah. It's put up or shut up time. Yeah. I'm worried about Jason Tatum's shoulder. I am too. I'm very, very worried about Robert Williams. I'm worried about Robert Williams. So good. We stand in our time Lord. I'll say it. Robert Williams is the best rim protector in the league, not named Rudy Gobert. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. It, this is a fun series. If you're not watching the finals, you should watch their after, after last night tied one game apiece going into game three. So looking forward to the, looking forward to the rest of this series. 
but uh, that's that's where we're going to kind of tie things up today. We'll be coming at you regularly, the new and improved unsalvageable crew. I'm pretty sure I forgot to introduce me and Greg. At they the know who we are. This, and I don't. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all the things. Please tell everyone that you know that this is on a new feed. You need to resubscribe, re-download, re-follow Unsalvageable on the new feed because that other thing where we were before, that's you, an unnamed podcast on an unnamed you, feed. You now. see what we're doing, right? I, I I mean, we're laying the blueprint. We are we have destroyed and we are now rebuilding. We tore down so that we could rise once again the from the ashes. Podcasting of ashes. The we are the basketball podcasting phoenix, if ever there was one. And we love you guys so much, and we're we're so thankful to everyone for listening and for everyone who has sent messages and notes saying like, "Where are you guys? When are you coming back?" Now, baby. Now is the time. We're back. And so, from Greg, from Matt, our new producer, and myself, thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you next time.